This is Crossover Collab. So far we've had some lively episodes, and for most we've commented on other stories, so we only think it fair to provide our own in a Dr. Seuss-styled fashion. Both Dr. Bruce and Mr. Glendo have each prepared a story for you to enjoy with your family tonight, this Christmas Eve. Enjoy and God bless. Gregmas, A Shanty of Christmas Giving by Dr. Bruce Published by Crossover Collab Out there past the shores, past where your sight fails, is an old rugged ship with the wind in its sails. Echoed in the seas is the sound of clattered beats, the sound of ropes tugged, and the sound of running feet. All hands on deck, the halls and the bows are infested with holly. Crew, figure it out. This voice was no other than the cranky Captain Greg, with a pasty in one hand and a candy cane for a leg. His appearance was mean, and his words often jarring, yet there was something about him that seemed rather charming. Captain Greg's crew guided this old rugged glider. Infamous was his vessel, greatly known as the Yule Tider. T'was a rough and tumble night for the crew of Captain Greg, as a tinsel monster attacked in a night they would not forget. The crew scatters to fix as Greg does a patrol, for they must set sail for the quest to the North Pole. The North Pole, you may question, tis a strange one, all right, to go from the Caribbean to a place for frostbite? See, there's a glimmer in Greg's eyes, a dream for something bigger. In his heart is his need for the immortal elixir. We will pause this story here, but only for a second, as you discover the truth of this secret legend. Have you ever wondered why Santa has lived so long? Perhaps he eats his greens, perhaps his heart's super strong. However, rumour has it that it's something else all along, something inside his hat's bell, underneath the ding-dong. He's always kept his beard, he's always had his belly, for every night he sips his life juice in front of the telly. He devours his cookies and takes out his portion, stirs it into the milk and down the hatch in one motion. Then he chuckles and shivers and lets out a large burp. Now don't share what's been said, pretend that you've never heard. See, Captain Greg caught this story when he heard from Captain Morgan, who was a friend down the pub, and mentioned while talking that his bartender Tim, who used to be an elf, gave him the story about the legend itself. Then Greg's groggy days turned into a future hope. He announced, I'll kidnap Santa, my old rugged boat. Now the story resumes knowing Greg's motivations, why he ventures stormy seas and passes every nation. The deck is all fixed and the Yule Tider proceeds. Greg pulled out his Christmas cracker telescope to see. Off in the distance, on a small slab of ice, are two polar bears playing poker to the captain's surprise. Everyone, everyone, we can't be far now. I see two polars at the pole, and they all screamed aloud. Then they slowly approached and pulled up alongside, and Greg asked for directions and they happily obliged. As one of the bears folded and placed down their cards, they said straight at the roundabout, then only a few yards. They could not live further, and their lifetimes they were counting, and they slowly approached towards a brightly lit mountain. They rubbed their hands together, and all Greg leaped with joy, and they docked the North Pole in the spirit of ahoy. The crew all prepared their party poppers, and their grenade baubles, shouting, They can't stop us! Like a gathering of gremlins, they scurried up top, and their elves barricaded themselves in their workshop. They couldn't stop until they got Santa's portion and they finally saw his hut amidst all the commotion. The outside wasn't guarded, in fact it seemed pretty disappointing. 
saw Greg kick down the doors with ease and started pointing. There he is, crew! Seize him at once! But the crew were hesitant and let out small grunts. They prepared to put Santa's sack around Santa's head, but Santa just looked like he got out of bed. And his cheeks were no red, and his belly no longer round. By mate, you look like you lost a few pounds, said Greg in shock, and the crew lost for words. Santa reclined and sighed and slurred. Do what you want. It's about time that you came. Christmas is a shambles and it's all such a shame. Each year there's more kids. Each year they want more. Why should I stick around when they could just go to a store? I suppose that you came for the immortal juice. Then he leaned forward and squinted. I'll give you a truce. I'm old and I'm tired and the season is gone of giving and loving something's terribly wrong. I'll give you the potion on one condition though. You be the one to say ho ho ho. You'll deliver the gifts to all children tonight. I've got no energy to be able to take flight. With a ship as big as yours and a knowledge of all the sea, you will deliver Christmas and you will replace me. And the crew turned to Greg and awaited his reply. Greg grumbled and pondered. Aye. I'll comply. Santa smiled and with a nod reclined and fell asleep and his elves tugged on Greg's sleeve and he looked down at his feet. Alright Gav, this is how it's going to go down. You're going to follow me to the workshop in the middle of town. Bring Santa's sack and bring all your crew. There's a lot of hard work cut out for you. Rockets were fixed to the back of the ship. Yule Tider was ready for the fastest trip so two by two both pirates and elves set sail and sung shanties of jingle bells. Greg wasn't impressed but this option was best if immortality was to be his treasure in his chest. The elves and crew bickered and sniggered and Captain Greg was already getting triggered. For the sake of fudge, pull yourselves together. Why don't you decorate the sails since your elves are so clever? So the elves climbed up the sails and the crew tossed up their grenade baubles and a sail topper duck. On the sea for a while with ice beards and knees knocking, the bobbin had stopped and the boat was rocking. The danger was never ending. Is it the tinsel monster? The balance just got frosty. Something's terribly wrong, sir. They froze more than frozen as they all stopped and stared. A branch clung their edges, now for sure they were scared. A carrot nose peeked atop. The elves and men ran and rolled onto deck. An out of breath snowman. Sorry chaps for rolling like this. This was an opportunity that I could not miss. Oh, Captain, my Captain, please do not hinder. See, I forgot to migrate north for winter. All of my friends and all of my family left me alone sleeping under the tree. I saw that you came from way, way up there. And I beg you, my Captain, if you have a single care, take me back with you if you ever return. For here, my body and my heart will burn. Greg scratched at his beard and bit his pasty. We need more crew. And the snowman rolled fastly. Nigel at your service, sir. I won't let you down. And the crew sailed on to the very first town. The Yuletider was appropriately dressed all nice and already they found themselves at Iceland. They docked and formed a train of passing as Nigel rolled out with cheerful clapping. Each gift passed along till all of them gone and both elves and crew didn't take long. As the elves took the chimneys and the pirates took the doors, since acknowledging lockpicking could not be ignored. A rumble and fumble occurred here and there but no child was awakened and no parents aware. Even Nigel did his part as he blended right in. He froze in front yards and observed the sightings. All gifts under the tree, they scurried back to sea and nod to Captain Greg off to England for tea. 
saw the zigzagged Europe and between Canada in the Americas, Asia, Australia, Africa, and not forgetting Antarctica below. When the last gift was delivered, it started to snow. While the crew sat and yawned, and Greg poured out hot chocolate. From inside his jacket, there was a flask in his pocket. He then twisted off his candy cane leg. Its hollow make held some coffee instead. So they all drank up as they sped back up north. You know, you elves aren't as bad as I thought, Greg said with a grin and a sip of his brew, and looked around at the sight of his hard-working crew. They all sang and drank and danced in snow. Nigel got so much bigger since the snow made him grow. As the sun came back up, they came in as the sun came back up, they came into tide, back to the North Pole and they waddled inside. Back in Santa's hut with arm linking arm, Santa was sleeping and Greg hit his alarm. By gum, you're all back. Did you deliver the gifts? He rubbed his eyes, grabbed his hat, and said, Here, take this. Twas the immortal elixir, and Greg leaned in to take it. Then he paused and he thought, Sir, I think you're mistaken. There's a lot to work in as a big family. Something more than sticking something under the tree. I set sail for the gold, and that I never found. But the treasure of love was always around. I may love my pasties, I may love the sea, but there's something more precious than that to me. I've got a better deal. You keep your juice. We'll do this each year if you just produce the gifts and the goodies all to your wishing, and we'll come along to do all the giving. To do something good and give to the world. To bring love and hope to the boys and girls. Then Santa sat up in a great surprise. His mouth was wide, but not as wide as his eyes. He cheered in glee and put on his slippers and tap-danced away as if he had on some flippers. Greg and the crew, I wouldn't know what to do. If you hadn't done this, and for this I thank you. I now see hope in the most selfish of men, but they're not selfish at all. Indeed, they're friends. So friends, I'm alive at the thought of this gesture. I can't wait to be with you and see you next year. And so Greg and his crew departed with joy and said farewell to Nigel with his wife and his boy. The Yuletider was once on the sea again, bringing treasure to all people, no matter when. It wasn't just Christmas they decided to give. They brought their love all year round, and for this they would live. Merry Christmas. And now, a nativity far, far away by Mr. Glendor. "'Twas the night before Christmas, according to Earth, yet on alien planets there was no such mirth. In the far distant future the Galactic Convention deemed Christmas to be purely mortal invention, for no two worlds could seem to agree on the circumstances surrounding the nativity. As the story went on Plonicus 13, Santa and company appeared at the scene, yet due to a lack of credible data, Jargonians claimed he was added much later. An old hologram on the moon of Ultren shows records of as many as a hundred wise men. Gerdubius Prime told a similar story, though critics rejected it for being too gory. When the planets first met and formed federations, accounting was made to track these adaptations. Chroniclers collected all the differing details and ended up with over 903 tales. All the worlds would bicker and groan, saying their version of Christmas stood alone. Fights soon broke out, so in the name of peace, the Galactic Convention bade festivity cease. And the word of the longer lookers was not ignored. Christmas and all that came with it was outlawed. 
Twas the night before Christmas, but nobody knew, save a jolly old sleigh unaware of taboo. Its rails clipped an asteroid like a meteor it fell to the Federation planet by the name Quefflidel. And out came a stumbling, in neat little pairs, a carol of Zergalats requesting repairs. They came to a spaceport, beginning to panic, for they'd never heard of a good Quefflidelian mechanic. They were quite perplexed when they at last reached the station. Twas the night before Christmas, yet not a single decoration. Zergalath A said to Zergalath B, I see no Christmas cheer here, not even a tree. Zergalath B was quick to reply, I know not of Christmas, but what of that guy? She pointed a digit at the person in question, a grot with a spanner and a puzzled expression. Hail, good grot, called Zergalath J. Do you know anyone here who could fix a parsley? Slay, cried the grot. Speak not of such things, unless you like the prisons on Beatter's cold rings. What gives? Jay snaps. It's only a vehicle. Anything related to you know what is illegal. It took the grot only a moment to realise that recognition had not dawned in the Zergalath's eyes. He began to convey the longer looker's new law, but they could not believe it, even after all they saw. A law against Christmas? Why, that's just absurd. That's the strangest decree any one of us heard. We've seen every world with intelligent life, and never did Christmas cause any more strife than did make do without it and lose all the magic. The story you tell us is, oh, much too tragic. Heresy! Someone screamed, but it was not the grot. Heresy! What foul manner of lies you have brought! The speaker stepped forth, leader of the Inquisitors. Looks like Beata will have ten brand new visitors. Henceforth, they were taken to the longer looker's court, for a fight of their innocence was soon to be fought. The Zergalaths were given time to plead their case. Zergalath F took the stage. Across space, we have traveled great distance in search of a star that appears through the eons both near and afar. Wherever it goes, a legend is told of a child who is born to fulfill vows of old. Our mothers and fathers saw the star overdressed us, and sightings elsewhere were marked by our ancestors. Yet of the Zergalath race, only our generation has yet to see the herald of begotten not creation. The longer lookers pondered the meaning of this, for if Zergalath throughout time did not fail to miss an appearance of the star, then it stood to reason that they'd heard all the stories explaining the season. Despite all 903 contradictions, they had not yet concluded the tales were mere fictions, which filled the longer lookers with a great sense of dread. What evidence could make sense of what they had read? How do you astronomers continue to believe when the proof lies in something you've yet to achieve? And how do you reconcile each story's flaw? What's more, the star reaching stop 904 will make the narrative even more complicated. How will the skeptic's mind ever be sated? You're missing the point, remarked Zergaleth C, the smallest and youngest he happened to be. Do you not see that all these tales share one idea? Tis the Child King descending from space so to clear the blood-muddied waters of rebellion and strife, forsaking himself so we can have new life. One hundred on Ultran, on Frank only three, but the wise men only point to the savior they see. Does it matter if Santa stopped by on the way, if his gift-giving habits were inspired by that day? And you, longer lookers, with your law and false virtue, will soon learn bah humbugs only seek to hurt you. Outlawing Christmas will never bring peace, 
for you outlaw the one who will bid pain to cease. The court was awestruck. There was not a sound as behind the young Zergoleth there arose from the ground an object of brilliant beauty and light. The longer lookers trembled to behold the sight. A star like no other, a star of wonder, a star by which death was to be torn asunder. It flew past the court and blasted through the ceiling, and all present were filled to the brim with a feeling of joy and of hope, and of love for all planets, from Anlan to Grot to the far moons of Xanats. As the star made its orbit, the Zergolats laughed and began to give chase on their trusty spacecraft. The Grot was bewildered to see the slave fly, for no repairs had been made yet. Still, it took to the sky. The Galactic Convention renounced their new law. Christmas could be celebrated once more. There arose from the galaxy such a great cheer. All worshipped the Child King, whom they did revere. T'was the night before Christmas, according to Earth, who heard echoes of distant worlds, all full of mirth. The End <laughs>